0: Today's reading is from Malachi chapter 3, verses 1 through 18, found on page 950 in your pew Bibles. I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple, the messenger of the covenant. Whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. But who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he will be like the refiner's fire, a launderer's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purify her, a purifier of silver. He will purify the Levites and refine them like gold and silver. Then the Lord will have men who will bring offerings in righteousness and will offer offerings of Judah and Jerusalem, will be acceptable to the Lord as in the days gone by, as in former years. So I will come to put you on trial. I will be quick to testify against sorcerers, adulterers, and perjurers, against those who defraud laborers of their wages, who oppress the widows and the fatherless, and deprive the foreigners among you of justice. But do not fear me, says the Lord Almighty. I, the Lord, do not change, so you, descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors you have turned away from my decrease, and I have not kept them have not kept them return to me and I will return to you says the Lord Almighty but you ask how are we to return will a mere mortal rob God yet you rob me but you ask how are we robbing you in the tithes of and offerings you are under a curse your whole nation because you are robbing me Bring the whole tithe to the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not open, throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it's ripe, right, says the Lord Almighty. Then all your nations will call will call you blessed, for yours will be the delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. You have spoken arrogantly against me, says the Lord. Yet you ask, what have we said against you? You have said it is futile to serve God. What do you gain by carrying out his requirements and going about like manures mourners before the Lord Almighty? But now we call the arrogant blessed. Certainly, evil doers prosper, and even when they put God to the test, they get away with it. Then those who feared the Lord talked with each other, and the Lord listened and heard. A scroll of remembrance was written in his presence concerning those who feared the Lord and honored his name. On the day when I act, says the Lord Almighty. They will be my treasured position. I will spare them just as Father has compassion and spares his Son who serves him. And you will again see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between those who serve God and those who do not. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Over the summer, we've been spending time in the minor profits, and during that time, we've also been able to hear new and strange voices to us at Knox sharing these messages that were often new and strange to the people who heard them. And it's been a lovely time of doing that together. So this week is our last week in the Minor Prophets, and we have our last guest preacher for the summer with us this week. The Reverend Dr. Sarah Travis is minister of the chapel at Knox College and a sessional instructor there teaching preaching. And so her PhD was in preaching and homiletics, so no pressure, but she's great at it. So it'll be a great time today. And she's from Windsor and from my home church of St. Andrews. So she's good people too and I'd like to invite Sarah up so we can pray for her as she prepares to bring God's word. Let's pray together. God we thank you for our sister Sarah. We thank you for the gifts that you've given her, the way that she has of reading your word and interpreting it in new ways for new communities of people to hear your call again. And so we pray that your spirit would be upon her this morning. That the words she offers would be your words to us and that we would have hearts and ears and minds prepared to receive them. We pray all this in your name, amen.
2: Thank you, you, Nick. I don't know about this business of hearing strange voices. (laughs) Some of you are old enough to remember the days when your parents would threaten to wash out your mouth with soap if your language got a bit salty. Does anyone remember that? Did it ever happen to anybody? Oh, it did? (laughs) It never happened to me, but that was the image that kept running through my head as I reflected on the prophet Malachi. The tone of Malachi is of a parent wanting to wash out Judah with soap. This prophet has an urge to clean up, to clean house, to push the people of Judah toward a new future. We don't know much about the prophet himself. The word Malachi in Hebrew means my messenger. So we're not sure if that's a proper name or just a way of designating this prophet as one who speaks on behalf of God. Somewhere in the first half of the fifth century BC, some 500 years before the birth of Jesus, Malachi entered the scene and voiced tremendous discontent about the ritual practices of the priests and the neighborliness of the people in general. This book is written as a series of disputations in which the prophet acts as a mediator between the people and God. The people are annoyed at God. They're very annoyed at God because God has not exercised judgment against those that they perceive to be evil doers. They perceive that God is just sitting by and doing nothing. The prophet responds to these self-righteous complaints with strong words about worship practices, marital infidelity, and social injustice, arguing that those things that are happening within the community are just as dishonoring to God as the behavior of the so-called evildoers. In other words, people are pointing at the splinter in their neighbor's eye and ignoring the log in their own. These people are longing for God to come and do something, and they expect that whatever God does will work in their favor. These people lived in the time after the exile. They were restored to Judah, to Jerusalem, by their Persian overlords, after many of them had been expelled to Babylon. This is a mix of people, some who had returned from Babylon, some who had never left, some who had come into the land and intermarried with the people who were there. They're all living together again, and they're all trying to figure out what it means to be faithful in such a time and such a place. The temple, which was destroyed, has been restored but the people have forgotten to pay attention to proper practices of faith. The priests especially are making inappropriate sacrifices and they are ignoring their duty to care for the poor and the widows and the orphans. Malachi has a strong message for these people, for both the priests and the people of Judah. Go back he says, go back to the covenant. Go back to the covenant that God made with Moses and Israel. Because if Judah can live with those principles, if Judah can return to those principles, then everything might be okay." In a kind of a back to the future moment, Malachi is urging the people to return to the faithfulness of covenant times so that Yahweh can again find a home in the midst of the people, and so that Judah can ensure its future will be prosperous and pleasing to God. Go back in order to find the future. The portion of the text that we're reading today is usually read to the church in the season of Advent, a time when Christians both celebrate the birth of the baby Jesus, and look forward to the second coming of Christ. Although we usually pay a lot more attention to the baby, to love and joy and peace and hope, than we do to the dark and disturbing reality of God breaking into the world once again. We don't know exactly what Malachi is expecting God to do perhaps raise up a military figure to purge out the evil, or more likely an agent of God who will usher in a final and righteous era of human history. The church has often predicted Malachi's words as a prediction of the ministry of John the Baptist. That's why we read about God sending a messenger in the midst of the Advent season. And it all aligns with John the Baptist's call for repentance. Regardless of what the prophet is expecting, he is anticipating something big, something that will overturn the world as it is. This promise of newness is both hopeful and terrifying, hopeful because we want God to do something new. We are desperate for change in the world, and that involves God's in-breaking, new life, new hope, a new promise for ourselves and the world. But it is also terrifying because the God who breaks into human history is not a tame God. The Lion of Judah is not a tame God not a God whose behavior we can predict, nor whose actions we can control. The divine presence in the world turns everything upside down and inside out. Nothing remains the same, and therefore anticipation gives way to apprehension, and nowhere is this clearer than in the words of the prophet Malachi. The good news is that the God of Israel is about to appear. See, I am sending my messenger to prepare the way before me, and the Lord who you seek will suddenly come to his temple. Ooh, suddenly. There's something about that word suddenly that changes this good news into something a little more unsavory. God will come suddenly, quickly, without warning, suddenly. And already we can see that this coming of God will not be quite in line with our expectations. And then the prophet's words give way to apprehension. And the but we have been waiting for, the Lord we are waiting for is coming, but. As the prophet goes on, who can endure the day of his coming, and who can stand when he appears? That brief moment of anticipation has morphed into something like fear, because the coming God will not be as simple as a sweet little Jesus child, or a military leader that lays waste to enemies. It is not a coming that will leave things as they are. It may be what people are seeking, but it is not likely to be what they are expecting. God's coming involved judgment as well as grace. You might be most familiar with Malachi's words as they're presented in Handel's Messiah. The Lord whom you seek shall suddenly come, but who may abide the day of his coming? he shall purify the sons of Levi." The God who will come suddenly also comes to purify. And thus, we come to the disturbing part of this text. For he is like a refiner's fire and fuller's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver and he will purify the descendants of Levi and refine them like gold and silver." Like a fire that melts the impurities from precious metals, like strong and dangerous detergent that washes impurities from cloth, this God has an agenda and everything will change. God's people will be melted down, purged of impurity, remade in a new image. There's a story about a woman who went to watch the refining process of silver. As she watched the silversmith, he held a piece of silver over the fire and let it heat up. And he explained that in refining silver, One needed to hold the silver in the middle of the fire where it was hottest to burn away all the impurities. She asked the silversmith if it was true that he had to sit there in front of the fire the whole time that the silver was being refined. The man said yes. Not only had to sit there holding the silver, but he had to keep his eyes on the silver the entire time because if it got left... A moment too long in the flames, it would be destroyed. Then the woman asked the man, how do you know when the silver is fully refined? He looked at her and smiled. Oh, that's easy when I can see my image in it. I wear a silver bracelet on my arm, always. And it's there for a particular reason. Twelve years ago, my three-year-old son Sam died after a long illness. And while it's much too long a story to tell now, uh, I ended up in India a few months later. It was a means to remember him and to begin to recover from what had been a long and terrible journey. I was mired in grief, but I was still able to enjoy the color and vibrancy of that beautiful country. It's a land in which silver is plentiful. Silver shops are overloaded with necklaces and earrings and anklets and bracelets. And I bought a silver bracelet with the refiner's fire in mind. It reminds me that I have been through the heat of the fire and I have survived made into something new by the terrible, refining grace of grief and trauma. Remade in a new image. When you think about it, metal that is melted down and rid of its impurities actually becomes more itself. All those things that keep it from being itself, that keep it from being pure, are left behind and it becomes more what it was intended to be from the beginning. Malachi wants Judah to reclaim its identity as a Mosaic people, those who belong to the covenant in the way that they live and the way that they worship and those things should be consistent with those who live in strong and close covenant with God. He wants the people to return to a purer former state when they were pleasing to God. You and I stand at the other end of history from Malachi. We believe that God sent Jesus Christ to refine us through the cross and resurrection, to bring us back to ourselves. What does it mean to be brought back to ourselves? Malachi's words might seem outdated and irrelevant. We no longer make sacrifices in worship, at least not of the animal variety. We don't have a priestly class which mediates our worship. We belong to a new kind of covenant with Jesus Christ although that covenant is continuous with the old, and we are still people of the covenant. The God of the universe creates and calls and blesses us, and we respond with our worship and our love, with our care for creation and our care for one another. That's what it means to be part of a covenant relationship in Jesus Christ, but are there impurities that keep us from being who and what we are meant to be? This question might lead to a response that is both anticipatory and apprehensive. Change is always a bit of both. We look forward to the benefits of a new situation and we fear the process. And perhaps we fear what it will be like to become something new, something that we might not recognize. At the same time, how wonderful it is to think that God has called us to become more ourselves, to rid us of those things that keep us from being most fully ourselves. we could quite easily come up with a list of all those sins and shortcomings that mar the image of God within us. I can imagine what we might say as individuals. We are too focused on everything but God. We ignore our neighbors in need. We allow preconceptions and judgments about other people to get in the way of our relationships. We might be unfaithful to our partners, angry with our children, or disrespectful to our parents. The list goes on and on and on. The list of our common sins is also easy to construct. We treat our earth like garbage. We fail to make space for those who are not like us. We fail to take care of the least of these. We are too individualistic, too focused on wealth. The list goes on and on and on. But here is the very good news of this passage. Despite the apprehension that it might invoke in us, the prophet Malachi is clear that it is God who does the purifying. We might strive to polish and enhance the image of God within us as individuals and as a community, but it is God who accomplishes this work within us. I don't think this absolves us of responsibility entirely. It is always God's actions on which we rely, but we have a role to play recognizing those impurities that mar the divine image within us and doing our very best to live differently according to the covenant we have with Jesus Christ through our baptisms. The refiner invites us to pay attention, to do whatever we can to make space for the divine image within our own souls, but it is the refiner who will do a good work within us. We are most ourselves, of course, when the image of God is reflected in us, when we act like Jesus Christ, when the Holy Spirit is visible in us, when our relationships to God and to each other reflect the divine love that radiates from the triune God. This is grace, that the God who began a good work in us, in Jesus Christ, will bring it to completion. The prophet Malachi invites us to become ready for the God who will come suddenly and without warning and turn the world upside down and inside out. While Malachi is talking about a grand eschatological end times kind of event, This does not mean that we wait for some far-off day before God purifies us. It is a continual action of God. Day in and day out, we are sanctified, made holy, made pure, made new. This is a cause for anticipation and for apprehension. Anticipation because we find our hope in it. Our hope for ourselves and our families and our church and our world, our hope is that we are being made new, that there is something going on that will make us new. Apprehension because we will not remain the same. God is at work. That lion of Judah who will not be tame, who will not be predicted, that God is at work, and we will not be allowed to remain as we are. So as to Malachi's question, who can endure the day of God's coming? We shall endure, but we shall be changed. Amen.